Welcome to the Thrive Leadership Podcast, where we discuss building and leading a thriving culture. Host Rob Sagan pulls from his network of hundreds of bona fide leaders to sit down and talk to the best of the bunch, breaking down the keys to their success and the ways in which a focus on culture has let themselves and their organizations reach their highest potential. From stories of organizations who turn their strategy around to create a radically positive shift in atmosphere, to deep changes for companies focused on their bottom line, these interviews shed light on the true stories that emerge from leaders that are actively engaged in their organization's ongoing evolution and values. One of those stories is explored in this episode, starting with Rob introducing today's guest. Great. Great. Yana, thanks for joining us here today. Yana Kolo, the uh, Vice President of Core Services at Mertz North America. Very excited to have your leadership perspective on this and getting you to share with our audience um, a little bit about the journey that you've been part of, a big part of, and for a nice substantial period of time as uh, leader of the HR function as well. You crossed over from the commercial part, but I think it's been a tremendous blessing to us to get to work with someone like yourself, to have that pedigree and that background on both the HR leadership side, as you had for have for a number of years here, and then to have all the commercial leadership experience as well. And we get a lot of questions uh, from folks in our travels, especially over the last five or six years, Yana, as you know, you guys have been, uh, I would say, on the outer edge of this, real leaders when it comes to the conversations you and I have been having over the years to continue to provide a strong environment for your employees to flourish and to provide an environment where they can then differentiate you and your company with customers because you're in a very competitive space. So one of the things you want to explore with you this morning as we reflect on, you know, the opportunities that you've seen and some of the changes that you've seen is you you guys have had uh, uh, a footprint here and now in North America for about 15 years. And you've been with the organization now just over nine, if I'm correct. In that yes. time frame, there's been a lot of change and growth. But what are the main reasons you think culture became you know, a strategic priority for you and your executive team. And there was a lot of activity that started to happen in 2017. So over the past two and a half years, you've been particularly active. What uh, what led to that? Great. Well, thanks for having me. Um, I think for MERS, uh, we had such significant growth uh, between the years of 2012 and 2017, five years of uh, tremendous activity, um, including a internal um, integration and reorganization and the establishment of the North American headquarters in North Carolina, uh, coupled with uh, two acquisitions and integrations. Um, in addition to that, uh, we relocated our uh, headquarters from Greensboro to North Car- uh, to Raleigh. And um, in 2017, we had a change in CEOs as well as some key members of the executive leadership team. And so if you look back at all that change activity in a five-year period, while it was all supportive of our growth strategy in North America, um, it was clear that the organization had change fatigue. And um, in 2017, when uh, Bob Radigan joined as our new CEO, we realized that to take uh, MERS to the next level, uh, to compete into the market's marketplace, we might have the best um, business model or the best strategies, but we weren't going to be able to execute if we didn't uh, right-size the culture and 
ensure that our people um, were behind um, the new plan moving forward. Can you tell us a little bit about your activity as it relates to measuring and getting a pulse on, you know, the the environment, the culture at uh, Mertz North America? What have you guys done to this point? Yes. So when uh, Bob and I aligned early on that we had some assumptions and we felt um, from feedback from the leadership team and also members within the HR community that uh, the culture had, um, the colleagues had a sense of change fatigue, but we wanted to make sure that we weren't operating on assumptions. And so we searched um, for the right tool that would help us validate our assumptions, but was from a reputable third party. We didn't want it to be internally uh, developed. So uh, we came across uh, you and and your team and the the Barrett's model. And we felt that the Barrett's model was not only a validated tool for giving us key insights, but that it was um, executionable uh, with the organization at the time. And what we really liked about it was that the Barrett's tool – looked into values, what our employees were um, identifying as their desired values, not only for themselves, but for the organization. And we knew that if we didn't have the ability to uncover whether we had alignment of values to what our company values were, uh, we would be challenged. And so we selected the Barrett's model and uh, it worked very well for us. And as you say, I mean, you were getting some other data points, um, you had the benefit of you have the benefit of being very close to your people. I know that there's uh, a nice connection between you, your team, and the folks that you have across the time zones of North America. It seems like there's a really nice flow of information, and I've always found that you've been on top of the situations that we all observe across the across the company. Now, I know that uh, there are other sources of information, right? You you have those close connections. Obviously, when employees leave there, the exit interview process was telling you some things. Um, your new people were telling you some things about the culture, what they liked, and their first impressions. You also had the internal engagement survey that became available to you. So one of the things we get asked quite a bit from our HR leaders is, can I not rely on the engagement survey to give me the depth of understanding that I need to have to take action? And I'd like to get your thoughts on that because the Barrett tool is different. And uh, I'd like to maybe get you to share what you see is different. You're a pro at looking at those kinds of data sources. So what in your mind is the reason why you used the Barrett as a complement to the subjective feedback you were getting as part of your day-to-day as an HR leader and your internal engagement survey? Yeah, I think the uh, the difference between an engagement survey and the Barrett's tool prim- primarily is that the engagement survey sort of gives you the um, engagement level of employees, and um, because they're preset to define questions, you're getting feedback on those defined questions. What I loved about the Barrett's tool. Um, was that it gives you insights to what drives people and what matters to people and um, where those misalignments or alignments are with how the company is operating and how the culture um, is living. And so that insight, um, you can't really tease from an engagement survey, but with Barrett's tool, you can clearly see where there is alignment and where there's misalignment. And one thing that we've learned Um, especially over the last two years, is that when values are not aligned, 
Um, that's when tension within the organization, tension within uh, work groups um, start to create. And uh, we focus a lot now on value alignment. Yeah, and there's two things that I know that you guys enjoyed about you know digging in with the Barrett tool, and it was that values alignment you just spoke so eloquently about and making sure that teams have an understanding, some a line of sight as to why um, they're, they're a little clunky in their operation. They're not on the same page and making sure they explore those values alignment opportunities. There's also a concept that Barrett uses that I want you to maybe speak to because we've seen significant progress with your group. It's called entropy, and they define it, as you know, with Dr. Jameson's help to be those things that get in the way of people bringing themselves authentically to work. So what are those potentially negative items in their work environment that 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 you want to eliminate? And we've seen your your record of of attacking that to be quite a an interesting an interesting case study. It's been a, a really interesting ride. You've had tremendous progress. Tell us a little bit about entropy and how you guys have been able to wrestle that to the ground. Well, I think, you know, the term entropy and, and the concept of measuring entropy was new to both uh, myself and Bob and, and the rest of the, the leadership team. And But the concept um, and, the, and the results of the culture audit that was able to measure the entropy within the organization was so insightful. And for us, actionable. We could clearly see where we didn't have alignment, where there were frustration points, where um, there were things that the employees told us through just a very simplified you know, survey process um, on things that we could address uh, transparently and correct. And for us, you know, the baseline culture audit ID- clearly identified for us that there were two key things within the culture that we had to address. And one was that there was confusion and uh, not clarity uh, within the organization. And secondly, that the our colleagues would like to see increased accountability at all levels within the organization. And so being able to pinpoint exactly what were the two main key drivers of um, misalignment, um, we were able to quickly put together action planning at all levels within all divisions to address that. Well, and, and this is where we tip our cap to what you guys have done, because as your navigators, you know, we our, our philosophy is let's bring you guys the best tools with some insight, some par- good partnership. But at the end of the day, we are sitting in the pasture seat. We don't touch the steering wheel. And we're, we really were quite impressed with how you guys steered this through the organization between you and Bob. Uh, what we didn't see, which you know, you and I have seen in the course of our travels as business leaders, is that data arrives. It's just a, yet another email with an, yet another large attachment, and it's thrown over the fence to you in your office as a business leader. And somebody says, you know, tell us what you think of this and what you're going to do about it. You know, and that's that's not that's not good. That's not good socialization of insight. But it happens more than, often than you can imagine. What we really liked is what you and Bob did to drive that socialization of the results and the accountability to positive change. Can you give us some highlights of those particular activities and then really share with us what you've seen in terms of positive change throughout the organization? Sure. I think one of the things that was really valuable for the Barrett's tool is that it's able to provide each leader their own entropy scores within their own divisions. And 
just kudos to our executive team members because they took full ownership and was very transparent about their scores and speaking to their leadership teams and their organization about here's our current state. And I think that was step one as an organization. We said, let's take a look and let's be honest about what our culture is. And through the survey, we also were able to identify what they would like our culture to be. And so we knew what the end goal was and we knew where we were starting at. And so um, each of the um, executive team members worked with their teams in identifying key action steps that they could implement within their divisions to help um, achieve the end product. Um, but what we were able to do to support in that effort was um, what I really appreciated about Bob's leadership was identifying here are our cultural elements, here's our culture, here's our mission, here's our vision, here's our operating norms, and here are our values. And these are the pillars of our culture. And whenever you're making decisions or whenever you're interacting, you know, and you you sort of feel lost in that process, go back to the guideposts of the, you know, pillars of our culture. And we um, leveraged that in our communications. Um, we have it, you know, available to all employees. We talk about it. It's not just words on a wall. It's a living and breathing thing within our culture. And um, step by step, we gave progress updates as to how we're doing. And um, Bob would share the results at the town halls. And here's how we are. This is where we started. These are the two areas that we're going to focus on. And these are some of the things that we're going to do to correct and, and, and improve. And um, over the past 18 months, uh, with a lot of focus and a lot of hard work from everyone within the organization, we were able to um, achieve what our colleagues told us they'd like to see. Yeah, and what I what I uh, would like you to share with our audience as well is, you know, if if you imagine people, you know, getting a chance to observe the situation in early seventeen, and then come and visit with you now and as you approach the midpoint of 2019, two and a half years later, what would be the biggest changes? What's the, what's been the positive impact as you see it as the leader in the human resource function? I think one is um, communication, uh, clarity uh, throughout the organization. We implemented some key uh, structural processes so that communication would cascade very quickly throughout the organization um, I think it's alignment. Everybody's very clear now on what our vision values operating norms are. And um, I think the uh, success that we're having as an organization and performance, um, obviously in terms of our budget achievement, um, but also what we're hearing back from the industry and the community is that People are recognizing that Mertz is on the move, that there's momentum here, there's excitement here. And I think for me, the happiest day for me in, in the last year was um, when I heard a candidate say, I can actually feel the excitement and the culture here as I toured my day at MERS. And for me, that was just uh, uh, just validation that uh, what we're doing and how our colleagues are feeling are on the right track. Yeah, no kidding. You, uh, yeah, you can't make that up. When you hear that sort of evidence, it uh, it's proof positive, isn't it? And I wanted to explore a little bit too um, when we talk about the hiring and your candidates as they come through the door. 
How has this data and the insights that you've received from the Barrett and Dr. Jamison and our group, how has it helped your group specifically look at your strategy for hiring? How, how has that helped to shift your approach and, and what impact does that have? Yes, it has. Um, you know, we have, we are in the process of shifting from a reactive recruiting uh, process where, you know, we post the roles that we have vacant and then we start to go through our uh, candidates and applicants that apply to more of a proactive approach in seeking and searching for uh, candidates that um, are aligned with our cultural norms, our operating norms and our values. And we talk about our values and our operating norms and our mission and vision um, early on in the candidate process to make sure that they are aligned. Um, the other thing that's happened is because of the positioning that MERS has now established within the market, um, 65% of our recruits last year, of our new hires, were from employee referrals. Wow. How would that and, compare to a couple of years ago, Hannah? <laughs> it, has, it was a significant improvement. Um, and part of that reason is, and, and and another validation is that, you know, employees are proud of their company and proud to refer. Uh, and, of course, we love referrals because um, we believe that we have the top talent in the industry. And when top talent refers top talent, it, uh, it helps us um, con- continue to grow our organization, but also to protect and maintain our culture. Yeah, and I know it's something that you've also integrated with your team in core services to even how you move and develop talent once you have successfully onboarded them and recruited them. So over the fullness of time, how has this now impacted your strategy as it relates to, say, leadership and management development? How has your insight and your cultural strategy uh, been able to inform that? Yeah, so we've over the past um, 12 months, we've put a very strong concerted effort into building out our organizational development and learning and development team, uh, which is led by Caitlin Hokenberg and her team. And we actually resourced it um, prior to 2018. Um, that function had you know one person overseeing it, but the people and talent development is one of our third strategic priorities as an organization. So we restructured within HR and we staffed up to have three dedicated team members uh, focused on what we can do to help grow the organization, but also develop our future talent. And we've shifted from recruiting uh, and having to source external talent to developing our own internal talent. And that's been very exciting to see the number of promotions and people advance within our organization. But we recognize they also need development. And so this past year, Caitlin and her team worked very hard, and we've launched the Merch Success Center, which is our platform for development. It includes an online um, LMS system that uh, has resourced to best in class over 10,000 different types of learning uh, modules, uh, micro learning, um, everything from Harvard Managed Mentor to um, LinkedIn Learning. Um, in addition to that, we've launched the Leaders, Mertz Leadership Academy. And this is a cohort program that all leaders within MERS will start to go through in four different sessions throughout the year. Um, And from there, we'll also begin our management development program uh, to um, uh, cultivate and develop uh, future leaders within MERS. Yeah, do you and Caitlin envision, as you build the infrastructure and the programs here, do you envision 
baking in the takeaways from your culture audits into that strategy so that the leaders in your organization are molded in the way that you and Bob strategically want to see them leading from a culture perspective? Oh, absolutely. Every component of the um, leadership development program, everything from mentorship to the actual on-site sessions to the peer community that we're building within that cohort um, wraps around um, our cultural uh, pillars and expectations of a MERTS leader. Where have you seen the biggest turnaround, Hyun? It's probably a fair way to kind of think about it, right? I mean, you've had some, like you say, I think of a lot of wins across the board. Yeah. But you know your fellow executive team leaders extremely well, and I'm sure there's one or two that really stand out to you where they have embraced the opportunity that you and Bob have provided to get them get them very accurate, insightful data. Um, and if some have courageously embraced because, you know, no one's got a perfect score. I mean, anybody that's been through a 360 knows that none of us are perfect, right? So when you get that cultural data, and as you said, the thing about the Barrett is you see yourself in the data. There's no... There's no, there's no amount of ambiguity there. There it is. There's my team. There's my score. And I, 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 and I know I observed a couple of your people embrace it like within the first five minutes of our original data review. Uh, yeah. but, but I would, I didn't have the visibility as you do to what happened downstream. I only get to see the results as they come in and hear the odd story. But from the inside, do you have a, a colleague that you think really did a nice job and, and, and I think what our listeners are interested in is, it, what if I'm on the receiving end of this data? What should I do? So for me, I think, you know, the impact, the positive impact from the insights that we garnered from the Barrett's model really ripple throughout the entire executive leadership team. And we saw each team member really embracing the information that they received from the first assessment and looking honestly at their organizations and listening to what their uh, leaders were telling them and taking action. And so the results uh, from our second audit clearly indicated across the board, every single division um, had dramatic improvement in scores. And so the accountability for the original results and the accountability for the change was fully embraced by the executive team. What impressed me was that that also transcended to their leadership team, what we call the Mertz management team, right. which is the Elta minus one. So it's one level and, down from the executive team, right? Yes. And this group really um, rallied around um, their responsibility within the organization and took accountability as well. And so I think that it was a concerted effort across all levels within the organization, including our employees. Our, our colleagues um, heard the data. They, they recognized that we were um, serious about um, shaping our culture and ensuring that everyone felt and belonged uh, to the organization. And so I think it was a multi-level organizational approach to this and everyone was at truly honest about our original scores and aligned that we needed to do something. Well, and I think one of the takeaways from that for your fellow HR leaders is that, you know, when you get, get data where you see opportunity, where do you start? And one of the things that I think your case study 
shows to me and to and I'm sure to people who are listening to our podcast is there's really no replacement for starting at the top so that the executive team is the role model for that positive change they want to see elsewhere in the organization. And you saw that momentum cascade much more quickly through MERS than maybe other clients that we've worked with. I, I was impressed with the speed of which we saw a positive change because sometimes people think, well, how long does it take to see all of this manifest? And so when we measure it again, when when can you expect to see change? And before we work with you guys, we were telling people, well, you know, we only have our own data to look at. We have what's written in the literature. It's probably going to be two and a half, three years before you fully manifest the kind of change that, you know, sometimes folks want to see when they think about a cultural strategy. And, and we got to now re, reframe our answer. We have to say, well, we have a client <laughs> that within 18 months was able to more or less perfect, not perfectly, but is a case study for executing uh, opportunities and strategies and culture and showing very significant positive change. And as you say, the numbers don't lie, right? The stories aren't made up. So your financial performance has uh, really benefited. You continue to see significant, in fact, unparalleled growth in financial performance and market performance, according to what Bob shared with us the other day. And then you're getting the kind of performance in your HR indicators, such as referral rates, net promoter scores, turnover rates, you know, uh, those sorts of things. You can't, you know, you can't make that stuff up. It is, it's there or it isn't. And then the anecdotes, right, that people shared and you shared here with us today that, you know, people coming to you unprompted saying, boy, I, I, I love the energy here. Okay, well, there it is. You know, people say, well, how do you know you have a great culture? Uh, well, you can measure it, but you can also feel it. So we really appreciate you sharing your insights and ideas with us. I have one last little question for us. But, you know, when you, if you were sitting in a room with your fellow HR leaders who were, you know, sensing that there was some opportunity and they were trying to work with their, you know, their commercial partners to, you know, make positive progress at culture. What advice would you share with people who see the opportunities that you and Bob saw? How did they get started? Well, I think the um, the first and most important thing is to make sure that the leadership team is is aligned and prepared. I think the critical success factor for us was that when we saw the initial results, uh, every single leader across that table, nobody was trying to defend or rationalize or make excuses for their results. We all accepted it, took accountability for it, and was prepared, um, were prepared and aligned to take action. And I, oftentimes you see where you, t- you use an instrument, whether it's an engagement tool or a cultural audit or an exit survey, and um, don't let, uh, accept them for what they are. Don't let it get into a, defense and rationalization process, accept the results and move forward and how you can correct the results. Yeah. In a word, I would say, yeah, in a word, I would say courage. Yes. Um, I saw a lot of courage in that room and Dr. Jameson and I talked about on the flight and the way home that that was one of the things that caught our attention immediately with your group was that there wasn't a lot of uh, navel gazing and dwelling and defensive posturing. It was okay. Everybody leaned into the middle of the table, leaned into the data. And, you know, the flip chart started flying about, you know, what can we do to continue to see positive growth? So no, thanks for sharing that. That's a really important insight. And uh, really appreciate you taking out time from busy, busy schedule to join us here today. And we look forward to continuing with you on this journey as we go forward. 
Great. Thank you. And thank you for all your support. And we enjoy having a partner like you helping us and supporting us and giving us that, you know, um, transparent look at our organization because everybody's proud of um, their company and, and their culture. But sometimes you need an outsider to say, hey, take a double look. Well, thanks. Thanks for the opportunity. And we'll talk soon. Great. Thank you. Bye, Hannah.